Welcome to Splainin', the podcast where two guys explain things to each other. That they should know. But don't. Mm-mm. I'm Jeff Sims. And I'm Evan Smith. Welcome, Evan. To episode two of season two. It's a palindrome. Buddy, that's another one. How many of these do you think we're going to have? Uh, palindromes happen frequently. Yeah. Yeah. Season yeah. 14, episode 41. <laughs> A long way if to we go. live that long, <laughs> if we live that. Not if the podcast does. That's if we live that. If the long. internet exists, I've, I've read a oh. for Christmas. I got a new Stephen King book. I'm big into Stephen King. Of course you did. And it's called If It Bleeds, but it's four if short it bleeds, stories. We could kill it in the movie. <laughs> uh, Predator. Yeah, well done. <laughs> yeah. Is that also the movie quote Predator before? The, All the time. Um, the one where they do the crazy handshake. Is that Predator? Yeah. Dylan! <laughs> yeah. You son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger is a quotable movie. Yeah, exactly. His entire life His is life. a quotable movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, this book is four short stories. and I just read an entire short story last night. Mm. And the first part of it was like, I don't. It didn't say what year it was, but like it was a little bit in the future, and things were just like shutting down. Like California had started like breaking off because of the the water civil war that's going on right now. No, no, no. The water was oh, phys- eroding it physically, breaking off, not physiologically, no, 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 physically, no. Uh, geographically. Sure, um, it was just floating away, mm-hmm. and um, and the internet was like the internet would just go down for days and then Doom. just come back. Yeah, wow. and then like so anyway, at the uh, well, actually, that's all. That was my point. In, in reference to what we were just talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I was going to tell you what the end was. But I was like, no, someone might be reading this. <laughs> it's sort of like, it's cool. Anyway. I am uh, I just finished a book called Everything is Effed. Right. Um, by the same guy who wrote um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. Right. Um, and He's the, got a bit of a theme going on. A, a little bit. Right. Yeah. Um, and the end chapter, he talks about AI. And how AI is just completely just taking over the world in just a completely different aspect. Right. But when everybody hears of AI, they think of like the Matrix, like the machines I coming think up. of that Will Smith movie. I Robot. I Robot. Yeah. But it's all centered around robots becoming smarter than us and then wanting to kill us. Right. Right. But he talks about AI as like, no, no, no. They're so smart and so beyond us mm. that we are ants. Right. They're like, no, that's fine. Just let them do their thing. So they're not going to kill us. Right. But they're just going to be such a supreme power that they're going to be gods to us. Right. And we will praise them as gods. And the same way that we go to church every week and pray that hope that God gives us mercy and blessings upon our family and good fortune, we will do the same things to AI. But in the sense of like, we know the difference. That's like, well, if we say and do this, the algorithm will pick it up and give us good fortune. So let's all sit in this room at this exact same time right. and say the right thing, right. which is like the same kind of concept. Right. It was a really jarring thing to, to that listen is to weird. that yeah. end chapter. But uh, go listen and go read. It's a great book. Who's it by? Uh, Mark Mason? Maxon? Masonic? Spell it. I can't because oh. I don't know. I can oh. find out. I thought you, you just couldn't pronounce it. How about it? <laughs> you start talking now by yourself for the next five seconds? That's never been a problem for me, Jeff. You know I can talk. <laughs> if there's one thing that I could do, it's talk. I mean, some people some people aren't big talkers. I'm good. I'm me, good. I'm not a big talker. No. But if somebody, I mean, I can. If, if the chain gets if, unleashed. Yeah. If the, if the need arises, I can make it happen. Yeah. I mean, the, I don't the, need I, to talk. I, I, I don't need, I have a need to talk. I have a name. I have a name. <laughs> <laughs> I know. The author's name is Mark Manson. 
Oh, so yeah. not a hard word to say at all. No, I, like I said, I just didn't know it. Right. Yeah. Um, in other news, yeah. I uh, finished the latest Indiana Jones movie, Crystal <gasps> Skull. Yes. You were right. It is not the best one. No, it's definitely not. The no, no. ending is wacky-backy. Well, not even that. It's just like... I don't know why this occurs to me, but like while watching it, I'm like, that could never happen. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, like how many movies do I watch? Where it's like, that could never happen. Like every movie. Like, do, do it, you know what's crazy? Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. But on that note, so uh, yesterday yeah. was mine and Catherine's two year anniversary of purchasing our house. Yes. We've been in the house for two years. Yeah. When we first bought the house, the first night we, we slept there, yeah. we did not have any furniture at all. Right. We had boxes and I brought over the TV and a DVD player. We ate Mary Browns yeah. sitting on the floor while watching Harry Potter. Of course you did. So every so last, what you do every night now. Exactly. <laughs> so so last year for the one year anniversary, yeah. we did the same thing. Sat on the floor, ate Mary Browns, watched Harry Potter. Right. Sat on the floor. Yep. <laughs> this Give the year, couch a break. Yeah. <laughs> this year we sat on the couch, right. but watched Harry Potter and ate Mary Browns. Okay. Didn't I pick that thing apart? Harry it's, Potter? Yeah. So unlike me, Catherine, right. Catherine like paused it. She was like, Jeff, if I was doing this to you, you would be so upset. Right. She was like, you love this. Why are you doing it? In what context? We were watching the Versus Philosopher's the Stone. No, no, no. Oh. No, no, no. Just like logically. Like, so okay. the whole opening works fine. Right. But Hagrid beats down the door. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Comes in. And it, as far as everybody in the room is concerned, some big ass giant is about to like kill them, steal all their stuff, and go. Right. And everyone's just cowering away. He has the shotgun. He says, "Get out of here!" And he goes, "Dry up, Dursley, you great prune." Twists the barrel. But then everyone's a little relaxed. He's like, "He's like, well, Harry, you're a little bit bigger than I expected." He goes, "I'm not Harry." And then Harry just walks around the corner. I'm Harry. Kill me. It's like, no. The two kids would be crying their eyes out, being like, someone's about to kill our family. The two Dursleys would be trying to fight him off in some capacity, in, 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 in a perfect world. W- would they? Well, would like, Vernon Dursley try and fight a giant? I don't know. He would not. I'm sure. He cowers behind the shotgun. And also, the fact that he, I think... It's and like it, the shock factor of him twisting the barrel. Yes, but yes. also... From Harry's perspective, the fact that he went dry up Dursley is like, oh, he knows my uncle. And then when he says Harry, he's like, he knows me. Mm, he's 11. He's 11. No, but I know. But still, it's, like, it's, not, it's not a guy goes in and goes, he runs in and says, give me all your money. Yeah. He like, but cut. like, think of that though. Just think of that. So then he comes in, he goes, I'm Harry. He goes, here, have a birthday cake. And he goes, thanks, thanks a lot. He's like, okay, so we're, we're warming up. But then yeah. he goes, but then he says to an 11 year old, you're a wizard. A normal 11-year-old be like, what's a wazard? They're like, I've never heard, like, what do you mean? They're like, like, what does that mean? Like, right. you would have a better time being like, you're a Jedi. Right. Or like, like, what does a wizard mean to an 11-year-old? And for him to be like, no. Like, I knew not. what a wizard was when I was 11, even if Harry like, Potter didn't exist. Maybe, but like, I don't know. And he's like, you're a wizard. He's like, oh, no, you can't. No, that can't be right. I'm just Harry. Well, just Harry. Have you ever just... Uh, yeah, we don't need yeah, the synopsis. But. Uh, yes. <laughs> I just, anyways, I picked it apart right. every little thing. And then, like, when they got to the school and they did yep. the sorting hat and they did all this stuff, Harry was walking to platform nine and three quarters. His luggage was ratty and old to yes. imply that all of his stuff was hand me downs because they were. Yes. But the bag had HP written on it, it was embroidered on the bag. Right. He would have never had HP on a bag ever. He would always have hand me downs from, from, from the yes. Dursleys. No, that's a good point. So he would have bought a new old bag. 
No, but hang on. If he's at a platform of nine and three quarters, he's already gone to Diagon Alley with Hagrid. Exactly. So he would have bought in a new nice bag with HP on it. Oh, it it's a ratty old, bag. raggedy oh. bag with HP on it. Yeah, there's a flaw in there somewhere. Yeah. Costume so it, department messed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go on, then. Get it out. I'll talk for a couple of minutes. Anyways, I was beating yeah. that to death. The entire time I was watching it, Catherine was like, you have to stop. Every little thing. But it's thing, not that, like... That's, I mean, yes, but like with the Indiana Jones thing, it was just like, so they're on the, they're on the cars and they're like driving through the jungle and they're fine. A, how are they driving through the jungle? Like Mm -hmm. how are their roads? Because they already broke the machine that was cutting the roadway. Mm -hmm. So now they're just driving through the jungle and there's enough path for two cars alongside each other. There's two people fighting on it with swords. No. Really bad CGI. Really bad. And then Shia LaBeouf gets caught on a vine. Some For some reason, that vine shoots him into the air. He gets stuck up with the monkeys. And then he swings like Tarzan for like seven kilometers and lands on the car by the cliff like ten minutes later. Still has all of that momentum from when he was driving. Yeah. Like crazy. Yeah. You listen, you can't get down Ken Mount Row without breaking up your vehicle, let alone going through the jungle. Through the Amazon. Yeah. yeah, no, I just found a lot of it was like... Yeah, and the end, like, why do the skulls have the bulb on the top of their heads? And, like, yeah. somehow, somehow, the taking of the hearts in one of the first ones, the Kalima, yeah. the, the Ark of the Covenant, the Holy Grail, all those things somehow seemed logical compared to the weird, alien, all-knowing, temple kind of yeah. concept. But Yeah, and not even just that either. Just like the fact that they're meant to be regular people, like, they're, you know, Indiana Jones, although, like, you know, he does stuff that, like, is so fluky in real life you'd never be able to get away with all of it. Never. But still, it's like, it's an action movie. We forgive that. We we want you to be able to punch all the guys and dodge most of the time and get hit a few times. Yeah, yeah, well, that's yeah, how yeah, it yeah, builds yeah. up the combat scenes. Uh-huh. But in, like, you know, you're still a human. Yes. So like you get shot, you're a little bit messed up or whatever. Sure. But like for Shia LaBeouf to be, did you hear that whistle? <laughs> for, Shia, for Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> for Shia LaBeouf to be able to swing on vines mm. as like a 21-year-old kid yeah. in the Amazon for literally kilometers. I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. Like that LaBeouf, in no context does that make Shia sense. Shia LaBeouf has probably done so much math in the last couple of years. He probably <laughs> <laughs> just imagined this entire scenario rewrote that yeah. movie he's like yeah i've been flying around uh yeah, but yeah that movie has flaws yeah it definitely, definitely but why flaws. let the story get in the way of a good story yeah the truth get in the way of a good story that's the expression yeah. um but you know what's funny i kept pausing it and like and Catherine took the remote she's like jeff sometimes in a musical <laughs> yeah exactly I was like, well done yeah it's the truth because yeah. the first the first little bit of harry potter is very um uh narrative driven Yes. It's very like expose. And they really have to like push through things. So instead of having the conversation of like, what do you mean by wizard? Or like, you know what I mean? And little things that you just accept that an 11 year old picks up and runs with. Yeah. You just forgive it and move on. And also because he's had the life he's had. He's, he's hoping for anything. Do you know what I mean? So like, like, if like a, he if a, wants change. Yeah. So like if, if, uh, Aquaman came in and said you're a whale he'd be like <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know in what world does just because you had a poor raising that you would just take the first exit right right yeah you know? I don't know I, mean, I was really troubled when I started pissing through the top of my head but <laughs> <laughs> but now it all makes sense <laughs> I, I'm a boss <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so let's get down to business. We have a couple of corrections and points of uh, topic, Inter- points in- of dis- interest. Yeah, points okay. of discussion. Come before on, we get going. Uh, so last week's episode was blood, 
And me and you had a discussion about whether or not blood was rare or sought after, remember? Yes. Yes. And, and the types of blood. And types of blood, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, you were like, well, what's the most rarest type? I have AB+. I'm like super, super common. Here are the actual percentages Ooh. of blood types within Fine. Canada. Okay. A+. plus actually has the uh, second highest percentage in Canada at 36%. Okay. A minus 6%. Mm. B plus 7.6. B minus 1.4. AB plus 2.5. AB minus 0.5. O plus, which is what I said, 39%. O minus 7%. So O minus is the most sought. Yeah, sorry, negative. I I don't know why I say minus. That's okay. O minus. (laughs) That was honest. I did that honest. No, wait. One, one second. O minus. Yeah. <laughs> o negative is the most sought after because it's... But a, what, were the, what did you just list? The amount of people who have that blood type? Percentage of people who right. have that blood type. So the most popular one is O p- positive. positive. The plus O positive. The most rarest is technically AB negative. Because not right. everybody has it. But, but the most sought after right. is O negative. Because that is the universal one that even if you're in a car accident, it doesn't yes. matter what you are, you can take O negative. Right. Make sense? Yes. Cool. Did you have a correction or something you would like to talk about? No. I, no. Thought, I, I thought I was perfect. Well, screw you then. <laughs> uh, we did, however, get uh, a little email. Which was super exciting. Oh, yeah. It yeah. was very exciting. Yeah, it was actually... We saw it when we, when we, recording, we, we were recording last week. Yeah. yeah. We, like, clicked uh, perfect, and then we said, this is perfect. Um, and also, his email has a different name. Yeah. Then, so we were like, who is this stranger? Yeah. And we were so excited that it was a stranger, and then we found out who it was, and it was like... Well, cool. He's never messaged us before, and we're very happy. But like, we're super happy. For a second, it, we thought it was a, like someone from away. We thought it was someone like completely random. Yeah. But it actually works out well. It's a, it's a friend and someone who went to school with us as well. Yes. Uh, he wrote us an email, and uh, he said, there's a small correction from the, from the nutrition section that I did a couple of episodes ago in our <laughs> last season. <laughs> Jeff mentioned that when the body runs out of carbs to burn for energy, it will start using protein instead. It actually turns to fat for energy first, before protein, hence the keto diet. Mm -hmm. Uh, Essentially, people will intentionally deplete all glycogen stores by not eating carbs, so the body has no glucose to use for energy. It's a uh, favorite source of fuel. So it starts breaking down fat instead, which is called ketosis, uh, which seems to be a very popular word and uh, style of uh, dieting. Nowadays, uh, there was also brief mention about when the body uses protein for energy that it could lead to kidney damage. And I think en- Evan mentioned, sorry, it could cause stones. While severe nutritional depletion would definitely eventually lead to muscle breakdown, said breakdown shouldn't cause stones. In parentheses, I don't think anyway. It would more <laughs> likely cause the release of myoglobin, uh, a protein, which could lead to kidney injury after it is filtered since its degrada- degradation produces, sorry, products uh, could cause insult to the kidney. Um, anyways, he said, I'm the furthest thing ever from a pro in any of this, but just something I thought I could point out. I mean... More of a pro than we are in anything. Honestly. Um, I he didn't, didn't even copy and paste from Wikipedia, I bet. No, those were his own thoughts. I know. Just there was from, zero plagiarism. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, so it was from you, a Cohen. friend, Cohen. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we, yeah, Richard came up, which I guess is maybe Cohen's your middle name? Explain or this. Or maybe Richard's your middle name. Maybe. Anyway, Richard came up. And we were like, who is Richard? Mm-hmm. 
Dicky, oh. tell us something. And he sounded super intelligent. And I was like, and he knows his stuff. <laughs> I was like, Richard, he must. And I was like, oh, okay. It's just Cohen, and Cohen knows his stuff. Yeah, which didn't surprise me in the slightest. No. No. No, it didn't. But uh, thanks for the email, and he also handed us some awesome suggestions that we may use in further episodes. You know we will. Well, we might. I'm joking. We will. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely will. Jeff's insulted because you corrected him. Yeah. <laughs> You're still on my good books, Cohen. <laughs> Even though we're constantly asking people to correct us somehow, this one hurt the heart. It, it really just hit hard. No. Um, also, just really, really quickly. Yes. Uh, you talked about Princess Diana when she had her car accident, that her heart actually detached from a lot of the arteries and stuff. I said it moved to the other side of her body. And, and that's, she had internal bleeding, which killed her. Uh, I'm not sure it was bleeding that killed her. I don't think I said internal bleeding. But anyway, go on. Yeah, so it moved from one side of her body to the other. Yeah. Purely because she wasn't strapped in. So G-forces did that. And she, right. Yeah, 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 her pulmonary artery or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. like pericardium. Yeah, yeah it popped like out. The hose yeah. popped out. Yeah. Um, so I guess, I, I guess there would have been internal bleeding <laughs> if that was the case. One would say. <laughs> and in the podcast, I said, yeah, see, Evan, remember like I said? And you were like, yeah, as if we said it on the podcast. Right. No. We had this dispute during Unkmas. Oh. So nobody has any idea of what actually happened. Okay. So What did uh, happen? I don't remember. No, because we were uh, inebriated. I see. Yeah. Um, so we have this thing called Unkmas, which during the Christmas season, there are 12 days of Christmas, one of which being Unkmas, where... Um, the well, I think we've explained the Unk. We, ha- we explained what the word is, so I guess people yeah. can piece it together. Yeah. Uh, so it's one day before Christmas we get together and we celebrate our Christmas together. Yes. So this year we did that. Uh, the kids went to sleep. It was a great night. Everything was fantastic. We had a few drinks. By the end of the night, we were sitting down talking, and I don't know how we got there. But Jeff and I will... The night will always end with Jeff and I in an argument, and the girls either asleep or rotted. Or rolling their eyes yeah. um, in their sleep. Yeah. Um, but we got into an argument about common car crashes and how the actual <laughs> impact doesn't kill them, but the heart and the <laughs> arteries and all that kind of stuff will just... Because of the G-forces in the accident. Right. And didn't we argue about it for hours and hours and hours? And there was so much Googling and stuff. And you looked it up and you were right. And I was right. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for acknowledging it. But I was right that, yeah. it can, that you know, a major cause yeah. of accidents could be that. Anyways. And that's what happened to Princess Diana. And that's what happened to Princess Diana. And we just blew by during the episode without any acknowledgement of my amazing <laughs> knowledge. And I just needed to take a couple of minutes to tell the world of how amazing I am. Okay. Well, I mean, you get, take them when you get them. Honestly. That's what I say. Yeah, it's a slow pitch softball. Yeah. Anyways, um, uh, as you were. As you were. Proceed. So today, <laughs> I've got a send-in today. Do you? Yes. From Marigold. Mm-hmm. A long-time listener to the podcast, Marigold. Mm-hmm. And um, she sent us a few. And this is the one, as soon as I saw it, I was like, I am so excited about this one. Yep. Um, it is the eruption of Mount Vesuvius in 79 Vesuvius. AD, specifically, because it erupted more than once. Oh, did it? Yes. Um, and the destruction of the city of Pompeii. I didn't know there's two parts to this. Well, the eruption of the Mount Vesuvius in 790 destroyed the city of Pompeii. Well, I mean, so it's not really I two could parts. Have, I could have, yeah. 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 But you've heard of the city of Pompeii. No. You've never heard of the city of Pompeii? Pompeii? Pompeii, you say? No. <laughs> Pompeii, you say? Um, August 24th. Harrison's birthday. 79 AD. <laughs> the year he was born. <laughs> I mean, he's an old soul. He's an old soul. Um, the ancient city of Pompeii was thriving near the base of Mount Vesuvius at the Bay of Naples. Not to be confused with nipples. In the time of or the... maple. <laughs> maple <laughs> nipples. 
<laughs> Maple Naples. In the time of the early Roman Empire. All I can think of now is purple purple nurple. <laughs> purple maple nurples. <laughs> Who came up with the purple nurple? That is the stupidest thing that has ever happened. But have you ever given a purple nurple where it's actually turned purple? Uh, no, no. I, I thought it was Which stupid. Means, but somebody once upon a time yeah. nerped that nurple so much that it turned purple. <laughs> I, think, I think you twerped the nerp. <laughs> uh, I haven't said purple nurple in at least 10 years. I know. It's fun to say. It's right at the tip of the tongue. Yeah. In the time of the early Roman Empire. <laughs> purple nurple, purple nurple, purple. Use it as a warm up exercise. Purple, nurple, purple, nurple, purple, nurple, purple, nurp, nurple, purple. I'm sorry. Oh, God. Okay. In the time of the early Roman Empire, 20,000 people lived in Pompeii. Do you want me to wait? (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm still laughing. No, keep going. I'm good. 20,000 people lived in Pompeii. Okay. Including merchants, (laughs) manufacturers, farmers, all of which had nurples. None of which were purple. <laughs> None of which were purple. Who exploited the rich soil of the region with numerous vineyards and orchards. So maybe they were purple from the wine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Jesus. Okay. None suspected that the black fertile earth was the legacy of earlier eruptions of Mount Vesuvius. Nearby, Herculaneum was a city of 5,000 and a favorite summer destination for rich Romans. Named for the mythic hero Hercules, Herculaneum housed opulent villas and grand Roman baths. Gambling artifacts found in her Hercul- gentle god Herculaneum and a brothel unearthed in Pompeii attest to the decadent nature of these cities. Mm. There were smaller resort communities in the area as well, such as the quiet little town of Stabiae. It's, there's just it ends with a, every vowel. It's S T A B I A E. Villagers around the volcano had long learned to live with the volatile environment. Even after a massive earthquake struck the Campanian region in 63 AD, so like 16 years before, a quake that scientists now understand offered a warning rumble of the disasters to come. It was like, look out! In 16 years, I'm going to blow. <laughs> Everybody get ready. Uh, but the Pompeians didn't speak volcano. So despite the... Um, <laughs> they only spark, spark, spoke about volcano. <laughs> they only spark nerp. <laughs> despite the temperamental climate, people still flocked to the shores of the Bay of Naples. <laughs> I can't say Naples now. Bay of Maple, Naples, Purple Nurbles. Oh, God. People still flock there and to Pompeii. It grew more crowded every year. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the dog. I didn't know what that was. It sounded like grinding... Uh... Nurbles? Nurbles. <laughs> maple, Naples, Purple Nurbles. Um, okay, so should I repeat any of that? You got it all? I got it all. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. We're in the Bay of Purple Nurbles. We are. On this particular day in the Bay of Purple Nurbles, the Romans were in the middle of a multi-day celebration in honor of Emperor Augustus, Ooh. the first emperor of the Roman Empire. Uh, did we talk about him at some point? And if no. so, why? No, okay. we have not. Augustus had died 65 years earlier and had just been made a god, as well as having the month of August named after him. Oh. So what did they name August before that? Like, it was just like, by July is over, can't wait for September. <laughs> you know? June, July, no name, August. 
Like clearly they had names of months. (laughs) (laughs) But clearly they had names of months. Because, like, they just named the month August. So, months existed. Yeah. Maybe there was a lesser of a person, like, John. Oh, maybe they changed it. Yeah. June, yeah, yeah. July, John. Right. September. Right. Uh, so, of course, the streets were filled. It was a festival. Fortune Heller, street musicians, plays, athletic events. Six or seven little girls singing part of your world, presumably. <laughs> Come on, this is the only basis I have for festivals. So, um, loads of performers from out of town. Loads of tourists who came to see it all. August 23rd, the day before, was Volcanalia, the festival of the god Vulcan, mm. otherwise known as the god of fire and volcanoes. Mm. Pela, Pela? No, Vulcan. I just told you that. Okay. <laughs> In the days previous, the people of Pompeii definitely would have got a warning that Vesuvius was going to blow. There would have been smoke, small earthquakes, and loud rumblings. But because of Volcanalia, the people would have interpreted these as good signs from the gods. You stop. Honest to God, as far as the town people were concerned, these were signs that Vulcan was working away inside his forge in the volcano, perfectly happy that everyone was celebrating his special day. <laughs> ah! It's my special day! <laughs> Um, that was so, my volcano. That's good. Thanks, it sounded like a like a volcano powered by like Yamaha. <laughs> uh, Jeff, come with me now to the past as we visit Pompeii on August twenty fourth, seventy nine A.D. Okay. Bring your umbrella for fall for like things falling from the sky. Uh, lava. Well, lava doesn't fall from the sky. I'm singing lava. Mm. We'll cut that? Yeah. Cool. Um, 8 a.m. Birds batter to Jesus, and yeah, everything uh, starts to shake. Yeah. Okay? Small earthquake, sort of. No damage. Bit of white smoke can be seen coming from the volcano. Mm-hmm. 1 p.m. Another tremor. Slightly more aggressive. Tiles start to fall off a few of the roofs of some of the buildings. Dark black smoke can be seen billowing from the volcano. Some chunks of ash and debris start to fall from the sky. So, you know, morning. Yep. 3 p.m., animals go berserk. We're talking worse than fireworks on January 2nd in St. John's. Uh, don't, yeah, January. Right? Don't get me started. Loads of ash falling, covering buildings. Some buildings have caught fire. The sky is almost entirely black. You can't see the volcano anymore. It's just a giant pillar of black smoke all around it. Why have buildings caught fire? From the heat? From the lava? Uh, I guess some... No, not from lava. Lava wouldn't have got there yet. I guess from some of the ash that had fallen was oh, okay. so hot. Sure. Um, so yeah, can't see the volcano. It's just a pillar of black smoke. 5 p.m. Everything is on fire. There are giant ashen boulders falling from the sky, demolishing buildings. The sky is black. The only real light is from the flames of everything being on fire. And there's lightning now. So that's cool. It appeared to be raining, but that's just ash. You can no longer see the volcano. Just insane amounts of billowing black smoke rising from somewhere in the apocalyptic distance. Wow. 8 p.m. The sky at the horizon has cleared slightly. The sun is setting over a city that is literally ash. And it's still raining ash. 1 a.m. Everything is destroyed. The molten lava has just started pouring out of the volcano. 6 a.m. The city is covered in 10, 15, in some places 20 feet of ash. The sky looks like Voldemort and the Death Eaters are coming. Like, honestly. (laughs) What appear to be waves of ash start pouring towards the city. Like, literally like a tsunami of black smoke. Except it's happening like the waves on the sea. It doesn't happen once. It happens six times. A tsunami of black smoke hits the city. 8 a.m., 24 hours later. The sky has started to clear. You can see clouds and blue sky above. 
it looks like a frozen wasteland. It looks like Snowmageddon 79 AD times 10. Ugh. Because every single building has disappeared under piles of white. Except it's not snow. It's ash. Wow. By the end of day on August 25th, the landscape had changed forever. Vesuvius was now less of a mountain, more of a crater. The river and the ports were gone. Within a few years, no one could remember where the city had actually been. You're joking. Nope. So all of this information. So you've never heard of the city of Pompeii? No. Okay, that's insane. I have to show you pictures later. So all of this information brought to you in a full-length video by the Melbourne Museum. Mm -hmm. I'm going to show you the video on our break. It's pretty short. Uh, It's super cool. It's CGI animation of what scientists, archaeologists, volcano studiers think would have happened. Um, And it has that timeline. And also many of the things that they know happened because there was an eyewitness. And he's here tonight. Welcome, Pliny the Younger. (laughs) Everybody, Pliny. All right. First off, are your nurples purple? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, your nurples purple. Um, In two letters to the historian Taxicus. Taxicus. (laughs) Pliny told of how people covered their heads with pillows, the only defense against a shower of stones. And of how a dark and horrible cloud charged with combustible matter suddenly broke and set forth. Some bewailed their own fate, others prayed to die. Pliny, only 17 at the time, escaped the catastrophe and got to the other side of the bay. He later became a noted Roman writer and administrator. His uncle, Pliny the Elder, was less lucky. Pliny the Elder, at the time of the eruption, was the commander of the Roman fleet in the Bay of Naples. After Vesuvius exploded, he took his boats across the bay to Stabiae to, inve- <laughs> <laughs> to investigate the eruption and reassure terrified citizens. After going ashore, he was overcome by toxic gas and died. Imagine, you, you, you escape the ash and the no, fire no, rock. No, the, not Pliny the Young. No, Elder. Pliny the Old. Yeah. Yeah. You escape the rock and the ash. Yeah. You escape the rivers of lava. But then you just breathe a bit of the air and die because it's poison. Yep. So according to young Pliny, the blast sent a plume of ashes, pumice, and other rocks, and scorching hot volcanic gases so high into the sky that people could see it for hundreds of miles. Pliny compared this cloud of unusual size and appearance to a pine tree that rose to a great height on a sort of trunk and then split off into branches. Today, geologists refer to this type of volcano eruption as a Plinian eruption. Hmm. Like Pliny. Uh, As it cooled, this tower of debris drifted to earth, first the fine grain ash, then the lightweight chunks of pumice and other rocks. It was terrifying. I believed I was perishing with the world, Pliny wrote, and the world with me. But as terrifying as it was, it wasn't yet lethal, unless you happen to stand in a spot where like a giant boulder fell on you or something. Most Pompeians had plenty of time to flee. For those who stayed behind, however, because some people were just like, we'll just wait it out, you know, like people down south with like hurricanes and tornadoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, people who stayed behind, however, conditions soon grew worse. As more and more ash fell, it clogged the air, making it difficult to breathe. Buildings collapsed. Then a pyroclastic surge, a hundred mile per hour surge of superheated poison gas and pulverized rock poured down the side of the mountain and swallowed everything and we went in its path. Whoa, whoa, so that's whoa, whoa, the whoa. thing I was talking about with the tsunami. Back up the truck. So A pyroclastic surge. 100 miles per hour, superheated poison gas, and little tiny chunks of rock. What is the poison gas? Do we know? Uh, I do not know. So, it's like, you know... In like Call what of chemicals Duty. are in it, you mean? 
Yeah, like what is it? That- I guess methane. I mean, also it's just so hot, right? It would, I'll, which I get to in a second. Okay. But um, so it's literally like like Call of Duty or Fortnite also, when like, you have those storms coming. Yeah, and like think of how well, except that it's a hundred miles per hour and it kills you instantly. We're in Fortnite. You at least get a little bit of reprieve. You sure. just like jump around for a bit and try and get your way. Jump so does the wave come and you die instantaneously? Instantly. Why? I'll tell you. Tell me. By the time the Vesuvius eruption sputtered to an end the next day, Pompeii was buried under millions of tons of volcanic ash. Some 2,000 people stayed in Pompeii, holed up in cellars or stone structures, hoping to wait out the eruption. We know because that's how many corpses had been unearthed when they dug it all up. So about 2,000 Pompeians were dead, but the eruption killed as many as 16,000 people overall. Pompeii was buried under 14 to 17 feet of ash and pumice, and the nearby seacoast was drastically changed. Herculaneum was buried under more than 60 feet of mud and volcanic material. So Pompeii was far enough that the lava didn't actually really get to Pompeii, because lava is so slow going. Yeah. But Her- Her- Herculaneum was so much closer to the volcano. That's what got all of the mud and the volcanic material. Great. 60 feet of it. Some residents of Pompeii later returned to dig out their destroyed homes and salvage their valuables. Many treasures were left and then forgotten. I mean, Snowmageddon was bad enough. Honestly. Try to break in back now, shovel through 15 feet of ash. Might be lighter. I mean, might be. Mm. Probably not. Probably not. Pompeii, along with the neighboring town of Herculaneum, I can't wait till I don't have to say that anymore, no. and a number of villas in the area were abandoned for centuries. So, what ha- happened was, Vesuvius Volcano is part of the Campanian Campan- Volcanic Arc, a series of tectonic plates that stretch along the convergence of African and Eurasian plates of the Italian peninsula. It's been erupting for thousands of years. But why, you ask, Jeff? I was... Well, more than 80% of the Earth's surface above and below sea level is volcanic. And as the tectonic plates move around, the magma melts the rock. Physically melts the tectonic plates, hence the Campanian volcanic arc. Because magma is lighter than the rocks around it, it rises. So where the tectonic plates shift, sometimes it rises even higher because it has more space because they've moved. Uh, Making its way through the cracks in the Earth's crust and then reaches the surface when it is then called lava. That's the difference. Huh. Above the surface, lava. Below, magma. How the volcano erupts depends on the magma itself. Thin and runny magma means gas trying to escape can do so easily. We're talking Star Wars Episode Three: Final Battle. Anakin. Yeah. It's like bubbling and spitting. Sure. That's very easy flowing magma. Sure. So that's the best kind of lava. Bubbles of lava everywhere just flow. Why is that better? Because gas can escape. So when the gas escapes easily, the lava will flow out of the volcano. This happens a lot with Hawaii's volcanoes. The lava magma flows slowly, so rarely do deaths or injury occur. So people have lots of time to get away. Like, Obi-Wan was not in danger of the lava, like, overpowering him. He just didn't have to... If he didn't fall in it, he was fine. Sure. At no point would lava come rushing down. I understand. Right? But thick and sticky magma is a different story. There's less room for the gas to escape. It gets trapped in the magma, and the pressure mounts because the gas is stuck in there so it's combustion now and then it explodes it's called an explosive eruption such is the case with mount vesuvius it's classed as a complex stratovolcano mm. because its eruptions typically involve explosive eruptions as well as a pyroclastic flow which you'll recall from the tsunami of rocks and gas yeah because of all the gas that's inside the magma so that's what explodes and shoots at 100 miles an hour oh yeah mount vesuvius has erupted more than 50 times 
In about 1780 BC, for example, an unusually violent eruption, known today as the Avellino eruption, shot millions of tons of superheated lava, ash, and rocks about 22 miles into the sky, destroying every village, house, and farm within 15 miles. Wow. Yup. Strangely enough, the biggest contributing factor of death with the 79 AD eruption was... Any guesses? The wave of gas? The wind. The wind. The wind in Italy in August tends to blow in a southwesterly direction. If it had been blowing that way during the eruption, the cloud of ash and deadly gas would have actually blown away from Pompeii. There still would have been the heat and the lava, but that hadn't killed many people. It's the ash and the gas. So for some reason, that day the wind was blowing the opposite direction, northwest, directly towards Pompeii, which not only doomed the town, it meant that many people couldn't escape. The most effective escape route was by boat, but the wind was blowing directly into the shore, making it impossible to leave that way. Because I guess they are like sailboats and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the most fascinating thing with the Mount Vesuvius eruption of 79 AD is the entire city of Pompeii was destroyed and later excavated. They've excavated, excavated the entire city. You can walk the streets of Pompeii now. Wow. Um, people are fascinated by this because we can now see the city again, a city lost for centuries. You can take a virtual tour online of the city of Pompeii. Um, the excavation of Pompeii is kind of a topic in itself, but here are the Coles notes. Uh, the ruins were discovered late in the 16th century by the architect Domenico Fontana. Herculaneum was discovered in 1709. Work began in 1748, and in 1763, an inscription was found. Rei public Pompanarum. Thank you. Identifying the site as the city of Pompeii. So they found that, like, oh my god, this is a whole city. And then they just were like, we better keep digging. We found something. Yeah. The work that continued during the mid-18th century marked the start of the modern science of archaeology. Like, this was, like, the thing that all of the archaeologists wanted to be working on. Wow. 1860, Giuseppe Fiorelli became director of excavations and really took char charge in carefully excavating the city as a whole so you could physically walk the streets. Yeah. Perhaps the most disturbing and unique aspect of the excavation is the bodies. You've probably seen them, even if you didn't know this. <laughs> the people who remained in Pompeii were killed on the morning of August 25th when the cloud of toxic gas poured into the city, suffocating all that remained. Six surges of hot gas erupted from the volcano. Like, boom, was enough. Honestly. Vesuvius. The superheated air, this is why they died instantly, burned their lungs instantly and melted their muscles. That's how hot it was? Uh-huh. So you see these twisted, contorted bodies whenever you look at these corpses. We actually see exactly as they were the second they were killed and subsequently entombed by the pyroclastic surge. So Fiorelli is actually the reason we have these incredible plaster humans. So I'll show you pictures later. You've probably seen them before, but like they just look like plaster casts of humans. Okay. Um, when the bodies finally decomposed, they left voids in the ground. And Fiorelli discovered they could fill those voids with plaster or cement, and the bones would attach to that so they could actually make casts of the entire person's body, right down to the positions their bodies were in when they died. Yep. Um, so you can just see all those. They're insane. There's one of a dog. Hmm. And it's like, oh, God. And it's like, you can see the dog writhing in pain. I'm like, why do we want to see this? Why? But you can. Yeah, of course you From can. From thousands of years ago, you can see it. In the 18th century, a well digger unearthed a marble statue on the site of Herculaneum. The local government excavated some other valuable art objects, but the project was abandoned. Since then, excavations have gone on nearly without interruption. They're still excavating stuff there. 1927, the Italian government resumed the excavation of Herculaneum, retrieving numerous art treasures, including bronze and marble statues and paintings, all preserved because of the way that it happened. 
The rest of the city is likewise frozen in time, and ordinary objects that tell the story of everyday life in Pompeii are as valuable to archaeologists as the great unearthed statues and... Don't know what that word is. Frescoes? Don't know. I don't think it's supposed to be frescoes. Um, freshies. It's probably like a freshie pop-up yeah, yeah, pop yeah, yeah. store. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, like it was, an ad, like a Google ad come yeah. through for, for, for freshie. Yeah. Yep. It was not until 1982 that the first human remains were found at Herculaneum, and these hundreds of skeletons bear ghastly burn marks that testify to horrifying deaths. So that's in Herculaneum where the, they would have got hit by the lava. Today, Mount Vesuvius is the only active volcano on the European mainland. Its last eruption was in 1944. Its last major eruption was in 1631. It is one of the most dangerous volcanoes in the world. Wow. If it would erupt, it would be an almost unfathomable catastrophe, since now almost 3 million people live within 20 miles of the volcano's crater, and experts believe that another catastrophic eruption is due literally any day. No, no. Any day. No, no. It should have happened 20 years ago. It was you... on, Or 50 years ago. It was, on a, it's, it was on a path where it was erupting every 50 years. Evan? It should have happened in the late 90s. Evan. <laughs> we just got out of 2020. Why would you say it out loud? I know. That's what they say. Any day now. Is it considered a super volcano? I don't know. Because that's a thing, apparently. People are afraid of super volcanoes. I mean, it could kill mil- 3 million people, so. Yeah. That's that definitely not super a... to me. What's the opposite of super? Dull? Duper? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you just said duper, but you didn't say, like, it's super duper is great, but if you just said, like, what a duper. It does sound like negative, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is it a duper volcano? I don't know. It's certainly not a super duper. Who's to say, Jeff? Who's to say? Now, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy your break. Do you find yourself looking for the perfect shirt to wear with those trendy new boyfriend jeans? Ever stare off into the abyss wondering, how can I show the world who I am? What I like all the while supporting local? Well, do we have the product for you! Hi, I'm Joy Jorgensen, Inventory and Merchandising Manager for Splainin' the Podcast. Due to a shipping error, we are completely overstocked with Splainin' t-shirts and we're passing on the savings to you! We have logos, slogans, and all various styles and sizes. Until the end of January, order a Splainin' t-shirt and get our Blowout, Blowout, Blowout prize! For just $15, you get the answer to all of life's problems as well as a trendy, stylish shirt that goes with everything! Don't believe me? Listen to our satisfied customers. I just bought a Splainin' t-shirt and now girls don't laugh at me! People used to question my legal advice. I can't believe how receptive everyone is now that I'm wearing a shirt. Thanks to my new Splainin' t-shirt, I am now a fully qualified astronaut! <laughs> you see, real people telling their real story. True stuff! $15 a shirt until the end of January. That's $10 in savings. Ten extra dollars in your pocket to spend at Starbucks. Simply email info.splainin' at gmail.com and avail of our inventory blowout sale today! And we're back! To the future. I was trying. I was trying to come up with like a song to sing. I don't know why. I need. Sometimes I just need to sing. <laughs> sometimes I just need to sing. And we're back in it. We're back. That's gonna be our theme song for season three. When we, when we come back from when season we come two. Back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back from vacation. Yeah. Okay. Back in the New York groove. I'll start working on it now. <clears throat> yes, please. Now that you're done for the night. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm checking out now. Yeah, I'm gonna out. dart on now. Take a nap. You guys have fun. Yeah. Uh, now something for now time for something a little bit different. I don't know why I can't talk tonight. Um, I know. I'm worried going into you now. Is it? Is everything gonna be okay? <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll find out. Um, so. I don't have to say Herculaneum anymore, so... God, thank God. Herculaneum? Was that what it was? Yeah, yeah. it was something similar. <laughs> uh, so, let's take a deep dive into dinosaurs. Sort of similar? Um, in the fact that... Uh, like they both existed at the same time? Volcanoes mm, were around? Ooh, actually, funny point that you say this. I didn't add this into my research. Right. Uh, so I have no problem saying it right now. But you know how like the classic like drawing or depiction shows like a Tyrannosaurus Rex with a volcano erupting in the background? <laughs> yeah, I'll Do you in. know what I mean? Let's get it all in. Yeah, let's get yeah. it all in. Um, volcanoes or active volcanoes weren't as prominent in the period as almost all dinosaurs. So people depict dinosaurs in a lot of... Um, Always with volcanoes. Volcanoes, right. but then a lot of like humidity as well, like mud and water and stuff like that. But the reality, a lot of the dinosaurs lived in a lot of dry areas. Right. Where vegetation was scarce. I know this because Harrison has a dinosaur book. Doesn't he? It's like, it's a kid's di- a book. Don't say too much. That's where I got all of my information from. <laughs> it's called like The Valley of the Dinosaurs, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, by Jeff Sims. Um, but it's like the the term, like not even the terminology, I guess the, like the word choice is very not toddler. But like the pictures and stuff, like they're like, can you find the dinosaurs behind the bush? And you're like, yeah, they're right there. But it's also like, pteranodons ruled the skies at the time of the dinosaurs, and their feet yeah. was like they had to jump from cliffs. And blah. but it's like, my, can he ever jump? Can he ever jump? <laughs> I can't remember what my point of that was. I don't know either. But okay. it's just funny that you say that that volcanoes and dinosaurs weren't as closely related as um... right. They did exist, but they weren't super prominent because no, I would imagine. Well, over millions and millions of years, obviously there were eruptions of volcanoes. Obviously. Yeah, but I would imagine there were there were never more volcanoes than there are now. I would imagine as like volcanoes, like active volcanoes, whatever. But like volcanoes don't go away. Do you know what I mean? I don't. So like have there that would only answer. ever be more. I mean, I guess so. As the plates are shifting and magma's rising to the surface. I guess so. I get, Well, it depends on if you're counting volcanoes that no longer are volcanoes. Well, yeah, I guess so. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. so amount of active volcanoes, perhaps. I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyways, I guess that's uh, someone tell us, correct us. A volcanoes is a great topic for future. Absolutely, yep. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Uh, so dinosaurs. Yes. This topic kind of came from a couple of discussions because we wanted to talk a little bit about dinosaurs, yep. but we weren't really sure how to bring it up. Well, we were on a Jurassic Park train, which we f- yes. we finished because we fell asleep, but yes. we need to get back on that. Because mm-hmm. I still haven't seen them all. We've seen no. one and half of two. That's Correct. as far as we got. You have seen one Sorry. and half of two. Yeah. I watched them religiously. Yeah. Um, so we need to get back to that. And we will. And this will stir up that inside of me to make me really excited to watch it. I hope so. Yeah. Um, but we weren't really sure where to land on it. And then we kind of kept talking about, uh, you know, how do we know what we know? Where did the knowledge that we have, like where did it, came, where did it come from? How yeah. is it substantiated? Uh, and where, um, you know, well, I mean, that's just it. How do we know what we know? And that's big. And that's kind of what I'm going to dive into. I mean, into. the answer to that is we don't know. Not, not 100%. Because we don't know anything. Us or people? Us, specifically. Specifically yeah. us, yes. Um, but I guess, yeah, I guess we can premise this entire topic with, um, you know, no one was there. No one was no. in the room where it happened. It's all hypotheses. Hypothesized. Mm. Indeed. Shall we? Let's. Dinosaurs have been a big part of conversation in pop culture, specifically in the last 30 years. Mm. 
They have been the focus of mainstream documentaries, films, books, children's toys, and even wicked awesome podcasts. <laughs> you see adaptations of dinosaurs all the time, from children's books, TV shows, toys, clothing, and more popularly, nowadays, Halloween costumes. Yes, Harrison was a dinosaur yeah, this year. That's why I did that. Aww. They often look very similar or will have fundamental similarities between size, shape, general bone structure, and facial construction. But each one takes certain artistic liberty and license in filling in some of the blanks. Okay. For instance, Barney is a dinosaur from our imagination. <laughs> and when he's tall, he's what we call a dinosaur sensation. But he's also purple and slightly annoying. The early And months- also, what was the thing with Barney? Because Barney shut down quick, like real no, he's fast. Still, he's still on the go by. There was a period where something went on with Barney. Let's look it up. He probably ate a kid. No. No. I feel like it was a sexual allegation thing. Like, of the actor who played Barney or as Barney the Dinosaur? <laughs> like something, new, something on the TV set or something. Okay. Like, I feel like things shut down. I then, I, again, all conjecture could have made this up entirely. Yeah, like Baby Bop and DJ are probably still bumping. Yeah, but let's make a point to look that up. because I think And we will up. for next episode. Okay, sure. Um, the early 90s classic TV show Dinosaurs. Remember yes, that one? Gotta love me. I'm the baby. Exactly. Uh, they're green and rather clay-like. Yep. Uh, Dino from the Flintstones is also depicted as purple, mm-hmm. deep blue, and even sometimes pink. Yep. Yeah. Depending uh, on the color on your old TV. On, exactly. <laughs> where there's rare projection. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the classic and most famous depiction of dinosaurs is the Universal Studios franchise of Jurassic Park mm-hmm. or Jurassic World. Where they try to put the most realistic and lifelike takes on the elusive extinct prehistoric creatures. Mm -hmm. So, other than playful cartoons and caricatures of dinosaurs where they can manipulate traits to fit their narrative, where do all of our assumptions come from? Why do we have so many varying adaptations of once living things? Right. How can we truly know what dinosaurs looked like, how they walked, what they ate, and how they interacted? To first answer these questions, we must understand a few key things. Paleontologists, and something that I did not know was a word, paleobiologists. And does paleo refer to specifically dinosaurs? uh, Not specifically to dinosaurs, but things that have passed away. So they could be like animals. Oh. oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, They study fossilized remains of dead biological life including animals, plant life, and microorganisms. Together, the paleontologists and paleobiologists expand their studies to include any biological life. They study these fossils, leftover trails of dinosaurs, and the life around them to create the foundations or borders of a puzzle when trying to paint the picture of life back between 265 million years ago. Sure, bye. Yep. For, for anyone who has studied biology or has heard the name Charles Darwin knows that biological evolution is a descent with modification. Mm-hmm. It is the idea that species change over time, give rise to new species, and share a common ancestor. The mechanism that Darwin proposed for evolution is Natural selection. Right. Uh, Because resources are limited in nature, organisms with heritable traits that favor survival and reproduction will tend to leave more offspring than their peers, causing the traits to increase in frequency over generations. Mm -hmm. Right? Essentially, what Darwin is trying to tell us is that biology and life have a way of repeating itself, and every living organism today has a specific lineage. 
Right. We can therefore take DNA, bone structures, and any physiological trait and compare it to other species and find similarities and commonalities. Mm -hmm. Physical traits can be traced and compared for millions and millions of years. A lot of animals and species today share a lot of the common traits and DNA as our previous dinosaurs. Right. Yeah. With the information given from fossils and remains found, scientists use different tools to piece together and form conclusions about dinosaurs. Based on things that are alive today. Yeah. So they rely on a lot of different lines of evidence. Okay. One, this, this includes inference or inference, sorry, uh, which is just being like, you know. To infer something. Like, to I think this. Because <laughs> of this. Yeah. Right. Uh, comparisons with modern animals based on Darwinism. Right. And occasionally, just full-on direct forms of evidence that come directly from the fossilized remains. Right. Okay? So, what is a fossil? How is it formed? And why is it important? So, fossils are the primary link and tool that we have to explore the world and the past. They give us specific clues and hints to how dinosaurs interacted, how they fed, mated, how long they lived, and in some instances, how they actually fully looked. Right. So, what is a fossil? A fossil is uh, the preserved remains or imprint in a rock of a plant or animal. Uh, when animals or, or plants die, their remains usually decay to nothing. Right. It is only if the conditions are right that they can be preserved as fossils. The best so way, not just bones. They aren't at all bones. Okay. Because uh, all that decays. The best way to create a fossil is to quickly trap and bury an organism. The dead remains, if animals and plants that fall to the river or sea floors get covered in layers of sediment, over time, the sediment sinks. Okay. As it sinks, it is buried deeper by increasing layers. Meanwhile, minerals permeate through the sediment and gradually recrystallize the non-decomposed remains. This process is called permineralization. In some instances, the whole skeleton eventually dissolves, leaving a space in the sediment, which becomes filled with mineral deposits. Okay. It's like the opposite of the people, like the mummified no. people from Pompeii. No, it's the exact same thing. Except instead of later down the road in 1874, where they pour in the cement into the empty But divots, the bones were still there. Okay, well, they just didn't take enough, just didn't give enough time. Instead of them coming in and pouring in the cement to create the foundation, yes. what happens is, like, what if it was all mud? The yeah. bodies decompose but still leave the space. Yeah. Minerals form into the space, which would have been the concrete, and form the exact shapes. It's the exact right. same concept, right? Yeah. So, hypothetically speaking, those people were fossils, or what the remains later are fossils. Mm. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, because they were the bones and they filled in the cast like, into the indent into the ground and into the places where they were. Right. Yeah. So what happens is like a dinosaur, let's just say, dies right yeah. near the water bed. Sure. Falls into the ocean. Yeah. Lands on the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. Okay. Thousands and millions and millions of years, the bones and the shape and everything sink into the ocean bed floor. The okay. bed floor rises and traps it. Kind yep. of like a like a mummy in a coffin, preserving everything yes, perfectly. I understand. Yeah, yeah. Minerals and stuff fill in the space, similar to like concrete if you were to pour it in, and form it and crystallize it. Okay. Right. Then, but just the skeleton or the entire? No, no, no. The now I'll dive into a little oh. bit deeper. Okay. In almost every instance, it's just the skeleton. Right. But depending on how 
much it actually gets preserved and right. how well it gets concealed. It may shape the whole thing. No, no, no. It may shape the whole thing, but also, like, in some instances, flesh and tissue can get preserved well enough. Right. And and form into the fossil as well. But not actual flesh and tissue. It's minerals filling the space of where the flesh and tissue were. No, sometimes flesh and tissue get preserved. Oh. Yeah. Um, excuse me. Meanwhile, minerals permeate. Uh, I just said that. I'm just trying to find my spot. Permineralization. In some instances, the whole skeleton eventually dissolves, mm-hmm. leaving a space in the sediment which becomes filled with mineral deposits in the exact shape of the original remains. In this way, a cast of the original structure is created. Mm-hmm. Eventually, the pressure exerted on the lower layers of sediment is sufficient to turn it into rock. Okay. Millions of years later, this rock may rise to the surface and through erosion, earthquakes can eventually be exposed and we can find it. Mm-hmm. While, uh, sorry, whole body tissues can be created this way. This is where we find full remains of dinosaurs or animals laying in the same position when they die. Crazy. Uh, trace fossils work the same way, only they depict variation of traces left by previous animals or dinosaurs. Things like footprints, tracks, dung, and environmental structures or manipulations. Dung. There are many different ways to form fossils. It isn't just through bodies of water. Mud or tree sap are also great at preserving remains. Mm-hmm. If a dinosaur becomes trapped in, in uh, a deep tree. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even try to make a joke. Uh, if they become trapped in a deep mud hole. <laughs> mud hole. It's even better. <laughs> yeah. Mud hole. Mud hole. <laughs> It can get preserved almost perfectly in that position. Similarly to the classic Jurassic Park depiction, insects and smaller animals that become trapped in tree sap can be preserved in the newly formed amber. Mm-hmm. Depending on the conditions in which the fossilization occurs, uh, will actually depict the quality of the remains and what can be discovered from there. Right. Some of the most insightful evidence doesn't actually come from fossilized bones, but more so the other things that they find. We have found things such as preserved gut contents, eggs, nests, footprints, skin impressions, and even dinosaur poo. They found dinosaur eggs? Yeah. Oh my god. These things, plus the skeletal remain, allows us to paint a more thorough picture. Right. So they take all this. Now it's time to piece it all together. What must be cool about being a paleontologist is it it must be a field where everyone wants to work together all the time. I because, think there's because, a lot of politics behind it. But like all they want as a paleontologist, I would imagine, is like, I want to, all I want is to know what a T-Rex looked like. Yeah. So but like if they, they have, but here's the thing. I think you're right. Like they're all fighting for the same goal, but they want to be the ones who do it. It's but like, like if you take the other 10 people's research and stuff, be like, if we add all this together, we can actually probably make. I feel like it's the same thing as this, the space race to get to the moon. Oh. Everybody just wants mankind to get to the moon. They want to be the ones oh. to get to the moon. If they worked together, they would have done it like years before. Years and years before. Right. It's yeah. the same premise. I think oh. everybody wants to find out what happened to the T-Rex, but they want to be the ones oh, who find out. I want out. them all to be a global unit. There's lots of politics in everywhere in the world, yeah. which is why I shouldn't talk about it at the dinner table. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Detailed examination of skeletons uh, provides information on the shapes of the bones and how they fit together. 
Okay? They can see what bones were next to each other and how the joints actually worked. Using this info can actually reconstruct the dinosaur and see how it moved, obviously. If the remains are found where the bones are not laid out how they should be, paleontologists use their knowledge of anatomy and previously found dinosaurs and other animals that are alive today to help piece together the remains. Okay. If we can identify similar features in living animals today, whose biology we can study in real time, we can infer similar functions for those same features in extinct animals and dinosaurs. Okay. Make sense? Mm, kind of. Okay. So... I feel like some of these sentences are very long. <laughs> I'm like, uh, what was the first part? <laughs> are you trying to say you're not listening? No, I'm listening very hard. Okay. I'm just not very smart. Oh, um... If an animal today that is living in real life today that we know its circumstances yes. shares the same biological structure or anything as yeah. something that we are trying to study, mm -hmm. we can infer that what happens to the one in real time now would have happened to the one. Okay, when you say it that way. <laughs> Go on. Rough patches and flangs on bone can be used to reconstruct the positions of muscles. Have a question. Go ahead. What's a flag? I don't know. <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> the second you passed by, I was like, you don't know what a flag is. I don't know what a flag is. I know the flanging, danging rough patches on the bone. Um, but by seeing rough patches and flangs, we can actually reconstruct the position of muscles, cartilage, and ligaments. Okay. If we follow the same indentations in the bones and structures found, we can easily see how the muscles and ligaments were formed to the bone. Wait. Showing how thick, dense, and elastic they may have been, thus giving us evidence on strength, mobility, size, and composition. Right. Because if you had a super strong muscle, you had like, you know... You're a strong animal. You're a strong animal. You, the You'd weight, run fast. The you weight you were bearing was would have been displaced in certain places. And yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you can see indentation in bone on yeah. where the ligament lies. Right. And from there, you can see how the joint would bend. And you yeah. see how quickly it would bend. Is it yeah. twitch? Is it slow? Do they run fast? Are they walkers? Right. right? Uh, <laughs> Are they walkers? Are they walkers? Runners? Sprinters? No, but like, that's, like, that's, trying to, that's like trying to compare like a stegosaurus to a velociraptor. No, I know what you're saying. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? yeah. So studying the scratches and wear patterns on teeth reveals vital information on diet and feeding. Of course. Scientists can deduce a dinosaur's diet from the shape of its teeth. Analysis under a microscope may reveal wear marks that give further clues to what the dinosaur ate and how. By also comparing their teeth to teeth of modern animals, we can see the range of tooth types and be able to differentiate carnivorous and herbivorous animals. Of course, yeah. When we look at carnivorous animal skulls today, such as a tiger, we can see its indentation, or it's, sorry, we can see its dentition to understand what it ate. We can see pointed and sharpened teeth. We can see teeth that are very well adapted to slicing, shearing, and cutting through flesh. Ooh. When we compare the same facial structures and skulls of the T-Rex or Allosaurus or any other now known carnivorous dinosaurs, their teeth and mouth structures are formed almost the exact same way. Cool. In contrast, if you were to look at a known herbivore today, like a horse, we can see that its teeth are aligned in a nice flat grinding surface. So when the top layer and the lower layer teeth grind and fit together, they actually grind up plant matter and material. Right. A hadrosaur has a jaw structure and teeth design that follows the same suit. Therefore, we can infer that the hadrosaur was a herbivore. 
Or at least a poorly designed carnivore. <laughs> One or the other. You just really had to just chew real, I mean, a lot. Yeah, just real. Chew your food, Derek. <laughs> you don't have teeth like Terry the T-Rex. Yeah, well done. <laughs> just gobbing away. Just grinding his teeth at night. Wearing a jaw brace. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. Uh, so by studying individual teeth under a mic- microscope, we can also discover and see different kinds of wear along its tip and along the sides. Under the microscope, we can discover pits and scratches. By comparing these patterns with those we see in modern animals, we can further understand what extinct animals actually ate. Uh, Once technology actually caught up to these amazing discoveries, we are able to now start using 3D printers, Mm. CT scans, and computer-based algorithms to perform tests and mock demonstrations of how dinosaurs would walk, move, sound, and sometimes look. Cool. Yeah. Another form is direct evidence. Mm-hmm. We are constantly surprised what can be preserved and what we continue to discover. Depending on the preserve, paleontologists have found things such as eggs, nests, um, stomach contents, feces, and skin slash tissue. These things open the doors directly and give us the answers to questions that we have only been able to infer. How satisfying would that be? Honestly. When for like 15 years ago, you're like, so I think because of this blank. And then someone or you discover something, you go, I was right. The whole time I was right. And now I'm positive that I was right. Yep. That would be the most satisfying thing. Oh, I know. Uh, It's like you with the whole heart going over in the chest. Like when you look at that feeling, Mm. times 10. Times 10. Times 10. Like like, a life's work versus an evening's argument. Yep. Yep. Karen Chin. From the University of Colorado, has been studying fossilized dinosaur feces, which is a shitty job. Hey, called, uh, called coprolites. She's been doing so for twenty-five years. Is that's what the that's what the shit is called? That's what her job is. She's a coprolite. No, the shit is coprolite. Oh, okay. Instead of saying shit, they say coprolite. Okay. Yeah, I gotta take a massive coprolite. It sounds, it sounds like a really like low quality like so like grocery store beer in the states. Coprolite. 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 Yeah. You can get like. Copper extra. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Copper. Don't even know. <laughs> God, it's been a while. Honestly. Uh, if they're well preserved, they can tell us some of the things that the dinosaurs have been eating. Dinosaurs either ate leaves or each other, right? Although, Chin does cite one caprolite which shows exceptionally well-preserved muscle tissue and meat. She has found evidence of unexpected meals as well. Such as wood. Wood? Wood. And uh, pine needles. Of the herbivores? Maybe. They will, ate yeah. wood. Yep, because they... they... Got wood? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah. <laughs> Chew up your food, Derek. What did we just say? <laughs> we just say, Derek. Um, like during the mass extinctions where food was scarce, mm. um, obviously when a lot of the grass and stuff was gone, a lot of dinosaurs went to... Uh, eating fungus and um, moss off of trees. Right. And then so eating Sometimes wood. you just bite a little bit too hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The issue with crop- coprolites is that you don't always know where they came from. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> you don't. <laughs> what did I eat with corn in it? <laughs> <laughs> Who had corn? Speak up! There are some found with fish vertebrae. Mm. skin, meat, etc. By then trying to examine the size and shape of the coprolite, you can make assumptions as to what species laid it. Right. But, you know... Laid it. Laid it. Laid it. 
excreted it. Yeah. Dropped it. Yeah. More clues to dinosaur diets come from exceptionally rare fossils that actually preserve the gut content itself. Okay. Quote, I wouldn't like to give you an exact number, but I would guess for herb- uh, herbivorous dinosaurs, there are probably fewer than five examples known with the gut content included, says Paul Barrett. Like at- the entire dinosaur was there with its gut. Yeah, with the okay. gut contents at London's Natural History of Museum. Uh, one of those had a stomach full of pine needles. The other one that we know about had a stomach... <laughs> he was an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that is why he died. Yeah. The other uh, one has a stomach full of actual needles. <laughs> we determined that to be the cause of death. The cause of death? Needles. Yeah. Uh, there have been findings of chewed up or crushed bones in fossilized gut content. Mm-hmm. They are found just below the ribcage, implying that the animal's last meal was another animal. This paired with the other assumptions of jaw and tooth structure, plus the comparisons to the genes found in similar animals mm. living today, they can assume that some this dinosaur in particular was a carnivore. Right. Right? Eating uh, bones and all, man. Well, you're hungry. I suppose. Another large discovery were the findings of nests and eggs. Yeah. For decades, there was little evidence we could use to understand dinosaur paleobiology. But in the late 1970s, Paleontologist Jack Horner discovered fossilized eggs, embryos, and baby skeletons. This revolutionized our understanding of what dinosaurs were like as juveniles. It just occurred to me, I've never thought about dinosaurs being young mm-hmm. and like being born. Like I just, I, I like obviously I didn't think like a T Rex just like landed on Earth of the size that it is. Yeah, but I've never thought about like, oh yeah, that baby T Rex came out of an egg. Yeah, so you obviously haven't finished The Lost World Jurassic Park. I have not. No. Um, So this revolutionized our understanding of what dinosaurs were like as juveniles. Horner's findings were made at a famous site in the U.S. state of Montana. All at once, you had thousands and thousands of eggs, embryos, and then skeletons of babies, teenagers, and adults, says Matt Carano at the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History. You suddenly had this kind of snapshot of what it was like to hatch, be born, and grow up as a dinosaur. Mm. This, and discoveries of other nesting sites, has taught us that many dinosaurs engaged in prenatal care of their eggs, and may well have stayed with their young for longer periods of time after they hatched. Both behaviors right. made dinosaurs seem a lot like today's birds. Interesting. Like they stick with them until they can fly sort of deal. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Until they can fend for yeah, themselves. Yeah, because like some animals are just like, they pop out and they're like, see you later. See you later, scrub. Fend for yourself. Yeah, honest to God. Yeah. Bambi, kick your legs. Yeah. <laughs> Look out for the pond. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go slipping on ice. Yes. Uh, We have also got better at guessing the age of dinosaurs from their remains, thanks to a fuller understanding of what they looked like when they were very young. Okay. In the past, Carano notes, with some species, it wasn't always clear whether a fossil showed a baby dinosaur or just a small adult. Right. Having a specimen in an egg, of course, proves that it only began life at that size. Mm Mm-hmm. We can also tell a dinosaur's age by cutting into the fossil itself. By carefully cutting thin sections through dinosaur bones and putting them under the microscope, we can age dinosaurs and work out how fast they grew to adulthood. This is done by counting the growth lines in the bone walls, which is similar to rings on a tree. I was just going to say. Yeah, which were laid down each year. Does that work for every animal? 
Uh, well, they're growth bones, yeah. Like, could you cut a human's bone? Like, if if they did like an autopsy on a human, could they? And they were like, I don't know how old this guy was. Well, could they, they find could, it from the they bone. Could, well, it's if they didn't know what bone it was, yes, they could do that. They could look at the density of the bone and see. But if they if they had a full skeleton of the body, they could actually look at there are certain growth bones in the body in your hip, right? Where they can actually see how old you were based on that specific bone. But like, wouldn't some people's be bigger than others? Yes, but they could tell if it was a fully grown human or a not fully developed human. No, I know, but can you date them to like physically how old they were? I'm sure there is a way. Yeah. I'm sure there is a way. Okay, cool. Yeah. So dinosaurs actually grew really fast with okay. even the largest species such as the Apatosaurus yep. and the Tyrannosaurus reaching full size in no more than 30 years. And like humans, dinosaurs had a teenage growth spurt. Ah. Yeah. Eggs. Is that fast? 30 years? Well, no, that's the longest. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Eggs, interestingly, uh, also offer another clue to something that we perhaps, surprisingly, find very difficult to tell about dinosaur fossils. Is it a male or a female? Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, Barrett says, working this out can be almost impossible, but that sometimes the very nature of the fossil gives it away. That's because egg-laying females have a different kind of bone to non-egg-laying females and to males. They produce. What do you mean non-egg-laying females? Like uh, females that didn't give birth? That yeah, that wouldn't be fertile or wouldn't. Oh, I guess in these species, there's three genders. There's male, female, and non-laying female. Or like they just like couldn't find their man in time before the meteor hit. No, because then they would share the same bone structure as ones that did. They just would... Or did the bone structure change once they gave... Like, once they dropped After they died? No, no, so. no. Once they laid an egg. Like a, like a woman's hips change once they give birth. I don't have that answer. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, they produce this kind of bone basically as a store of calcium when they're laying eggs. It's called medullary bone. Uh, and it is found in egg-laying birds today. Okay. In 2005, the discovery of fossilized medullary bone prompted scientists to actually revise the gender of a well-studied T. rex fossil from male to female. Interesting. Yeah. Another area of research that is very new, but also, uh, but which also promises to challenge previous assumptions, is the reconstruction of dinosaur vocalizations. We might think we know what a dinosaur roar was like, but until recently, our our ideas about this have been pure conjecture. In Jurassic Park, for instance, the sound of the Tyrannosaurus rex was achieved by slowing down a baby elephant's roar and mixing it with the noises of other growling animals. Cool. Yeah. Although we still don't know for sure what T-Rex sounded like, researchers have been able to take digital scans of fossilized skulls belonging to other dinosaurs in an effort to understand the noises that might have emanated from them. It's interesting to think sometimes like someone had to make the sound. Yeah. First. Sound designers in movies are crazy. Yeah. Like we just go like if I wanted to put a T-Rex sound in it during this podcast, I would look up a T-Rex sound effect. Yep. Right? Yeah. Or like the ocean sounds from the ad last was like ocean sound sound effect. Seagulls yeah. in the background. Someone had to create that. If you're looking for an interesting like little watch about that, yeah. 
There's a documentary on Disney Plus about the making of Star Wars. Oh, yeah. And how it kind of went about. And they do a little section on the sound designer. Yeah. And how he was like, I had to create all new sounds. Like the Wookiee sound yeah. is a lion's roar played backwards. Is it really? Yeah. And then he then it just like took adaptations of that. Right. Yeah. And like R2-D2's noises. Right. All sorts of really cool things. Like the, the sound of a, la- a blaster pistol. Yeah. yeah the, no one had that before. Yeah. Of a lightsaber. Like all yeah. these things that they had to create. And you should see him in his house like hitting objects and trying to get that sound. Oh, I got to watch that. It's really cool. Yeah. Really, really cool. Um, so we can build models of these skulls and computers. And if you like, blow virtual air through those skulls. Uh, we can reconstruct some of the soft tissue and actually come up with some ideas about what sort of sounds those noses and throats may have actually made. Hmm. But do we know for certain? We do not. We do not. It's an educated guess. It is inferred. Uh, one of the big revelations in dinosaur paleobiology during the past 30 years has been the discovery of many feathered fossils. Ooh. Further emphasizing the similarities between dinosaurs and birds. I've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah, seems yeah. odd i mean obviously with like ter- pterodactyls and stuff not so much but yeah. like in terms of like a t-rex being related to a bird it's like they are yeah some dinosaur fossils are so spectacularly preserved they include evidence of soft tissues like skin muscles and internal organs they give us vital clues on dinosaur biology and appearance few historical depictions of dinosaurs if any show them with feathers but it is now clear to scientists that several species did, in fact, have some, even if they don't use them for flight like, like birds do. Wow. Over 150 years ago, we first learned that one species of dinosaurs, Archaeopteryx, maybe, was feathered. But there was little evidence that other species were similarly adorned. Mm. All that changed when a deposit of feathered dinosaur fossils were discovered in China during the 1990s. Okay. Many feathered dinosaurs clearly wouldn't have been able to fly, but their feathers could well have been used for communication. Perhaps with one dinosaur displaying visual signs to another or signals during fights or courtship. Right. The feathers may even have been useful during nesting. Besides feathers, we know a little bit about what uh, dinosaur skin was like from some rare fossils that show it. Barrett says these suggest scaly skin, a bit like a crocodile's, covered horned dinosaurs like triceratopses. Right. As living dinosaurs, birds can be used to test some of the ideas that paleontologists have proposed based on bones alone. They also carry a direct genetic legacy of their dinosaurian ancestry. Birds do? Yeah. Okay. Which means that birds' genes are dinosaur genes. So, so even though birds represent only one specialized branch of the dinosaur family tree, some scientists are currently attempting to switch on long dormant genes in living birds that may have been responsible for producing teeth. They're trying to turn on the teeth gene in a bird? Yep. Characteristic skull shapes as well that give them the long snout of a dinosaur, long tails, Similar to their dinosaur ancestors. So they're taking the common chicken, trying to yeah. give it teeth and a tail and a scaly body like a dinosaur. That sounds like a nightmare. But it's but they share all the same genes. They're just dormant. No, I know. But like, imagine a chicken coming at you with teeth. Mm-hmm. Well, they make that joke. They make yeah. that joke in the first Jurassic Park. They're right. like, they just sounds like an angry chicken where they're talking about the velociraptor. Right. He's like, no, no, no. Yeah. As an angry chicken. Yeah. Right? Uh, so what about dinosaur color? 
Yes. Right. Very recently, researchers uncovered and analyzed rare evidence of pigment in the fossils of marine reptiles that shared the world with dinosaurs. The researchers found evidence of melanin in dolphin-like species, suggesting it had a very dark skin tone. Barrett notes, though, that such studies are really at the cutting edge of paleobiology. It's an interesting idea, but we're still a long ways away from knowing what the majority of dinosaurs would have actually looked like. Right. He says, so all the reconstructions you see today are basically poetic license. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. In conclusion, I would like to quote directly an article from BBC Earth. Okay. The last <laughs> 30 to... Like to quote Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park. In the last 30 to 40 years of dinosaur research, they have been rich with discoveries that tell us far more about how these creatures lived than we thought we would ever know. There are many secrets that dinosaurs took with them to the grave. But the more we know about the things they left behind, from fossilized poo to fossilized feathers, the better we get at knowing what they were really like and how they really lived. Neat. Day by day. Day by day. Day by day. Oh, dear Lord, these things I pray. That's all I got. Yep. Um, so, in conclusion, we know nothing. <laughs> so, we're, we're in the same boat as a lot of people. Every paleontologist is and with us. paleobiologists. They yep. make assumptions and inferences based on the structure of the fossils. They compare it to life that's on the earth now that mm -hmm. share similar genes and how they interact. And lastly, they go straight full-on evidence based on guts. We do the same thing. We make inferences based on the structure of Wikipedia articles. Yep. We compare it to, to stuff we already know. To stuff we already know and other articles. Yep. And then we use direct evidence based on life itself. And guesses and and spread it with the world and just pretend that it's fact. Yeah. yeah. I have uh yeah. I have one last thing for us tonight. Okay. A bit of true and false. True and false. I love me some true and false. True and false is true and false time. You ready? Yes. Question number one. Okay. In 1842, the English naturalist Sir Richard Owen coined the term dinosauria, derived from the Greek dinos, meaning fearfully great, and soros, meaning lizard. Correct! Yeah! Number two. Dinosaur fossils have been found on only five of the seven continents. False. Oh, correct! It's fewer than five, isn't it? How many? Three. Incorrect! Oh. All seven continents. Oh! Yeah. Yeah. So all you were, seven. All seven. So you're correct, but for the wrong reasons. Well, whatever. Yeah, you're still correct. Yep. Number three. There were over 2,000 non-avian dinosaur species that went extinct after the Cretaceous-Paleogene extinction event. 2,000 non-avian, as in not flyers? Correct. So like just like the classic like dinosaur. 2,000 different species. Non-avian, yep. Yeah, different species, yep. Yeah. True? False. That seems like a lot. 
Yeah, 600 to 28 yeah. to 1,078. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, so. Sure. Nice try. Thanks. Number four. Yo. The longest dinosaur was Argentinosaurus, which <laughs> measured over 40 meters, and it remains have been found in Argentina. <laughs> uh, it, the hard thing with true and false is like, is it too obvious that he's trying to trick me, or is it so obvious it's like, it's, the, it's true, he couldn't make it up if he wanted to? Or is that how I think you're thinking, so I make something so stupidly obvious that you would overthink it? Right. Mm-hmm. true it is true nice <laughs> three for four question number five how many are there uh 27 <laughs> i'm joking that's 10 uh yeah looking at the clock there was a dinosaur found by william taylor in the lossy mouth west and east quarries around 1910 he named it saltipus <laughs> <laughs> end of sentence end of sentence he <laughs> where is it, it? lossy mouth L-O-S-S-I-E-M-O-U-T-H. Where, do you know where that is? Uh, nope. Okay. It was the West and East Quarries around 1910. He named it Saltipus. But I think that's true, too. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> the generic name is derived from Latin salter, to jump, and <laughs> Can he ever? Greek, paus, foot. <laughs> jump foot. Love it. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Being notably considered the focal point of Jurassic Park and Jurassic World, the Tyrannosaurus Rex is considered the most vicious, fierce dinosaur on the earth. Uh, I'm just making sure I understand the question. Okay. So it's just saying, like, the point being, T-Rex is the most fiercest and vicious dinosaur. Sure. Yep. The part about Jurassic Park is fairly relevant to the question. That's correct. Okay. It is meant to blur your vision. Uh, I'm going to say false. That is correct. Uh, no. Uh, the answer is false. Yep. Um, raptors were actually more dangerous. I was going to say raptors because they're packs, right? But there is no raptor that is more dangerous than the Utah raptor. Oh. Uh, the adult specimens of which weighed almost a ton compared to their 200-pound at most for their neighboring raptors like the Velociraptor. Right. The Utah raptors' characteristics uh, sickle-shaped toe claws were nine inches long and incredibly sharp. Weirdly, this giant raptor lived 50 million years before its more famous descendants, which were considerably smaller but a lot faster. Crazy. Yeah, I think T-Rex is in Harrison's book it says it's 39 tons or something. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but so like, like you know what everyone's those... like, you know what everyone's like, Velociraptor. No man, yeah. the Utah Raptor, or the Utah Raptor is way right. more aggressive. The Utah than... Raptors. Utah <laughs> Raptor. Uh, cool. Question number seven. Okay. The first dinosaur bone was discovered in 1677 by Robert Plot. His best guess as to what it was was a giant human bone. I feel like you told me in your th- thing when. They started doing dinosaur bone stuff. Maybe you didn't. Um, I mean, the first time someone discovered one, you know they'd be like, what the heck is that? True. Is it? Oh, <laughs> exposed. Uh, I'm going to say true. It is true. Yeah. It wasn't until William Buckland, the first professor of geology at Oxford University, that a dinosaur fossil was actually correctly identified for what it was. So no one knew dinosaurs had ever existed until they found a fossil. That's correct. That's insane. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it's like they didn't know about the volcano or anything until someone later went and found the all the The entire remains. city of Pompeii. Didn't know it existed until they were like, yep. hey, what's this? 1600s, you're like, oh, look, a plaque. Yeah. It says city of Pompeii on it. <laughs> well, well, actually, no, that's a lie. Because of old Pliny. They did know that it had existed. Sure. Yeah, but yeah. no one knew where it was. Yeah. Number eight. The T-Rex was known as the king of the Jurassic period. Uh, I bet that's false because he wasn't actually part of the Jurassic period. Is that your answer? Yeah. That is correct! Yay! Do you know what era he lived? Um, I don't really know the names of them. Cretaceous uh, is when the T-Rex actually lived. Crustaceans, got it. Yeah. yeah. The seaweed is always greener. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Number nine. Dinosaurs share a lot of physiological traits of the common lizard and reptiles, one of which being that they were cold-blooded. I mean, the fact that they laid eggs, they're like, feel very not mammally. But are birds cold-blooded? I think birds are warm-blooded. I'm going to say false. That is correct! Yay, so they were warm-blooded. Yeah, the majority of them... uh, People think that they're cold-blooded, sluggish, slow, stuff like that. Right. No. Fast-moving, high metabolisms. The majority of them were warm-blooded. Yeah. I'm sure some of them were cold-blooded because there's yes. obviously lizards and small yes. reptiles. Yeah. But the ones that we commonly think of as dinosaurs that's yeah. similar to birds. Warm-blooded. Warm-blooded. I'm rocking this. I get one wrong so far? Yeah. Noise. In the 1993 film Jurassic Park, they had only 15 minutes of actual dinosaur footage. Six minutes were CGI, and nine minutes were animatronics. That can't be right. The movie is one hour and 44 minutes. The T-Rex scene goes on forever. But is it like the scene that's going on, but you're not seeing the T-Rex. For, you're only seeing the T-Rex for like five seconds, and then you're back into the Jeep, and the, you see the T-Rex. Hmm. It seems obviously false, but it would be an amazing fact. I'm going to say true. It is true! That's insane. Isn't it? Yeah. Think about the entire beginning of it. The first animal you actually see is the bronchiosaurus. Yeah. On the... Yes. Yeah. Don't you see the little ones that kill the little kid? Nope. That's the Lost World. That's the second one. Oh, oh. The first original one, the first dinosaur you see is the bronchiosaurus. Right. But you don't Um, see it for very long. Don't see it for very long. It's probably like seven seconds, eight seconds. Uh, And then they go straight from there to the Triceratops that is sick. Then they go back to the lab. They see all the little baby egg ones that are like six seconds. Like there's, it's very quick moving. You're right. The T-Rex scene is like four minutes. Yeah. And half the time you see the kids in the car freaking out. With yeah, the and light. the T-Rex slams for two seconds and you're back in the car. Yeah. Right. Yep. Wild. Wild. 15 full minutes. Wow. That concludes my true and false. Well done, buddy. That's the best you've ever done. That's the best true and false I've ever done in my life. Yep, 90%. Talk to my high school teachers. Um, <laughs> well, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open podcast. Hey. Hey. Um, so there we are. Season two, episode two. Yep. We're off to a banging old start, Jeff. Listen, I'm happy. I hope everyone else is happy. And to be honest, do we care? No. We do not. No. Uh, So thanks for listening to episode two. Uh, Super excited. Yeah. Um, If you would care to go and, you know, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Mm -hmm. you may at any time do so. Yeah. As well, if you want to rate and review. 
at any time if it tickles your fancy, just go. Yeah. Do it. I mean, we always say Apple Podcasts. I'm not sure there's anywhere else to really do it. Uh, you I might get, be able to on Anchor. You might be able to on Anchor. Yeah. On our Facebook page, write us a little testimonial. But if you're going to do that, do it on Apple Podcasts because it does more <laughs> for the podcast. You know? It does. You're yeah. going to take the time. Yeah. Do it on Apple Podcasts. A lot of, a lot of people who listen are uh, local listeners, unlike Richard, who we got really excited about. <laughs> Um, but seriously, take a second if you do enjoy it, write it, let other people know because that's how the rest of the world can hear us, and that's that's our goal. We're talking to nobody; they've already stopped. They're gonna, they're going to say their speed up rate and review. Turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you have a topic or correction or a comment or any sort of interaction that you'd like to have with us, please email us at info.splainin at gmail.com. We hope you learned something this week, and if you haven't, there's always next week. I'm trying to find my space. Ding 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 ding